So we recently had something interesting happen on a farm, on our farm. And let me just say this. If you ever find yourself getting bored, just start a farm. <laughs> start a farm. Don't read the fine print. Just start the farm and, and see what happens. And your life won't be boring anymore. But I, I, I've got my chicken, my, my laying hens are set up in a, a portable tractor. So it's like an old camper trailer that I put a, a building on it and some roost and some nesting boxes and I can move it around so I can disperse the manure all over my pastures. It's free fertilizer. Come on, somebody. And, and so to protect my chickens, I put up a, like a little 40-inch electric netting that I hook onto an, an electric fence. Anybody ever been shocked by electric fence? Come on, somebody. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're feeling my pain. And so I got this net around the whole coop so the chickens can go out and they can free range, but nothing can get in and get them. So like it keeps animals out of the chicken coop. So the other day I was going to pick eggs and I'm, I'm walking into the coop and you're always, when you, you know if you pick eggs, like you're always, especially in the summertime, you're always aware of a rat snake. Come on, somebody. Because he won't kill you, but the heart attack might, <laughs> right? And so you walk into a chicken coop very alert. And I walked into the chicken coop the other day and there was an animal on the floor and it scurried out and got out. And I was like, whoa. What was that? I thought it was like a little possum or something because them things are vicious. And so the next day I, I came back, I was like, man, I, was, you know, while I picked my eggs and I was like, man, something's getting in my, I checked my net, my, my electric net is good. I'm like, mm. So I go back the next day and I'm walking up to the coop and underneath the steps is the cutest little calico kitten sleeping underneath the steps. I don't want, that's the little rascal that almost gave me a stroke yesterday. And so when, he, when she saw me, she took off running and she hid. And so for about two weeks, she camped out with the chickens. So she ate chicken food and she drank chicken water. And she slept in chicken house. But she's a cat. Right? And she's cute. And so one day I walked in and she, I mean, she was totally at home. She would be out sunbathing with the chickens. If it get too hot, she'd go inside and sleep. But she'd found herself a safe place. Now, I don't know where this cat came from. I don't know how this kitten got this far. I'm talking about a little bitty kitten. I don't know how it got this far. We don't live on the street. We live like way off the street in the country. And, and I realized, man, this cat has made itself a home. And it finds it really safe here. So one day I walked into the coop. You know me, I'm like, I'm a stealth. I can go in stealth mode sometimes. I opened the door to the coop, and the kitty cat was sleeping, so I crept up on it. And I reached down, and I grabbed her behind the neck, and I picked her up. I went and put her in a pet taxi, and we were going to try to give her to somebody or train her to be a good farm cat. And so I had to leave and go somewhere, so I told Cheryl, I said, hey, put some water and some feed and stuff like that in the pet taxi, but don't let the cat out. She let the cat out. I'm like, you had one job. Don't let the cat out. The kitty cat gets out. Where does the kitty cat go? Back to the chicken coop, through the electric net, into its safe place. And then we finally, Anna, Anna's, Anna's like a trapper. She's cute, but like she could trap animals in a live trap. She caught it in a live trap, and now it's, it's, uh, it's new safe place is our back porch. Well, and the cars, too. We're trying to break her of that, so... <laughs> Yeah, she might not be around long, but uh, <laughs> she better get out of them cars. 
So the, the title of today's message is My Secret Place. And I want to talk to you about your secret place. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're born again, your name's been written in the book of life, my friend, you have a secret place available to you. And I want to talk about that today because I believe today's message is probably going to be the most important message to start the year with. And it's really going to be an important message to go into our, our prayer and fasting time, uh, not this coming week, but the next week. And, and so I just ask you to maybe ask God real quick to open your heart. Maybe you need to ask him to let go, help you let go of some of the anxieties and the things that are bothering you right now. Because the enemy would love nothing more than to take tomorrow's problems or yesterday's problems and mess up today's promises. Right? So just let that go. We're going to be in Psalms 91. I'm going to camp out in verse 1, most of the message, and then I'm going to end up somewhere around verse 8 by the end. Psalms 91.1, I'm reading from the New King James Version says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So I want to show you three aspects of the secret place today. <clears throat> the first aspect of the secret place, you'll notice that the scripture says, or the psalmist said, by the way, they don't know if Moses wrote this or if David wrote this. It, it has likeness to both of them, so they're just confused about who wrote this psalm. But somebody wrote it, and we get to read it, and we get to live an incredible life because of it. So the psalmist says that he who dwells in the secret place. There's something about the word dwell that, that we're going to have to grab today. So the first aspect of the secret place is, number one, the dwelling. You have to know, you have to understand, you need to have a revelation today of what it means to dwell somewheres. Unfortunately, today, a lot of people are transient. They're, they're, they're like, I'll stay here for a little while, but then I'll bounce over here. And if I don't like that, then I'll bounce over here. And, and people today don't know how, across, kind of in common, people today don't know how to suffer through some things, set up a home somewhere, and stay there through the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's why the divorce rate is so high. That's why when people don't like what they, what they don't like or what they don't get what they feel like they deserve, they feel like now i got an excuse to get out because I've not made this marriage my dwelling place. So we, we have to understand what it means to dwell. So the word dwell here means to live. This is where we live. So the psalmist is saying, he who lives in the secret place of the Most High. The word dwell also means to return habitually to, to move in, to unpack, to inhabit, to stay, to settle, to get comfortable, to rest, to restore, and to recover. To dwell somewheres is not a theological thing. It's not something you do only with your mind. It's a lifestyle. Come on. It's a lifestyle. It's not theology. It's a lifestyle. So I'm not going to just think that I'm dwelling in the secret place. I'm going to actually make it my lifestyle, which usually means this, that my lifestyle is going to have to change 
and adjust so that I can live in the secret place. Because let me just expose something to you. Most of us do not live in the secret place. We only visit if we're lucky. So it's not a point of theology. It's a lifestyle. It's not a verse you memorized. It's a continual growth in awareness of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Think about that. It's a continual growing in awareness of God's presence in your life. In the church world, sometimes they say, Pooh, God showed up this Sunday. But my friends, he's been here. He's been here the whole time. It's his place. <laughs> so we have to develop this awareness as we learn to run to the secret place, make room for the secret place, surrender ourselves to the secret place, watch this, and practice the presence of God. That's kind of strange when you think about, in the, when you think in, in the church terms, to practice the presence of God. But what if I presented it to you in such a way that it's actually normal and it's actually encouraged to practice the presence of God? You know what it means to practice the presence of God? It means to keep your phone on the other side of the house on silent, locked up in a drawer so you can't even think about it. And you go to the whole other side of the house and you get yourself into a place and you stay there till you hear from God. Practice. And you keep on practicing until you become extremely familiar with his voice. It breaks my heart when Christians say, I can't hear God's voice. And for a short window of time, that may be okay. But listen to me, you should be growing and developing and practicing and, and discovering and pursuing and seeking God in such a way that you start to hear his voice. Like we don't need to get satisfied with not hearing God's voice. We don't need to become satisfied in not knowing when God is near. Bill Johnson said, he said this, he said, many people stop short of a divine encounter because they get really satisfied with good theology. Like, oh, that was good. Oh, man, wow, that was so good. And you get satisfied with good theology and you never press into the presence. You know how much I, I love God's word, right? You should. I, I put it in front of us often that we should all consistently be in God's word, right? It should be something that gets hidden in our heart. So as we need it, the Holy Spirit's got something to bring out. Don't make the Holy Ghost work too hard. <laughs> but you know what this is? This is simply an invitation to the person of Jesus. It's an invitation to the person of Jesus before it's ever something to make me smarter. 
Let's show his quiet in this church. That's all right. We're going to have to press through today. It's an invitation to the person of Jesus. It's not just a verse that you quote, though quoting verses are important. Rather, it's a discovery of the manifest presence of God in my surrendered life. There has to be a discovery. If you're wanting to buy something, how far will you go shopping sales and looking online to find a good deal? Right? You will totally exhaust yourself to find something that you're looking for. Like, I ain't buying it until I get it for this price. Take that same tenacity and put it into discovering God's presence. So we have to develop this. It has to be discovered. It's something that we need to, we need to go after. We have to learn how to dwell in the secret place. Don't get satisfied living outside of the secret place. Don't get satisfied being away from his presence. It's where we belong. It's not a place just to visit. God set it up in such a way that we should stay there, live there. The word is dwell. That means to move in and unpack. Like this is my life now. And if anything tries to take away the presence of God, if anything tries to take away the secret place in my life, it's getting cut out, not the secret place. Come on, somebody. There needs to be something that rises up inside of you saying, this is my home. This is where I will live. This is where I belong. And anything that tries to steal it has to go in the name of Jesus because I want to be here more than I want to be there. There has to be something that shifts inside of us, Christians, believers. Something has to shift. How far do you have to be beaten and battered before that thing shifts inside of you? How long do you have to suffer with the enemy's foot on your head before you'll finally rise up and put your foot on his head? Because you get to determine that. I'm telling you, I would, I would sit down. If, if I couldn't hear God's voice, I would sit down and I'd be as stubborn as a mule. And I said, Lord, I'm not leaving. I'm not moving. I'm not getting up. I'm not getting distracted until you speak. You said. <laughs> Come on, your kids do it to you, right? And they make you do things you really didn't want to do. Won't you flip that around on God? Say, you said that my sheep hear my voice. Right? Isn't that what you said, Lord? Come on, am I in the right church? And I would not move until I heard from him. Oh, but let me tell you, let me give you a little bit of a warning. There's going to be a moment of, of discomfort in that. Because something's dying inside of you to get into the presence of God. So, some kind of busyness might need to die. Some kind of distractiveness might need to die. Something that's been plaguing you or worry. Some emotions are going to have to die for you to get into that secret place with God. So there's going to be this awkward moment where you're kind of like, well, is he here or is he not? Like I, I said what Pastor Jamie said, exactly how he said it, so I, and you ain't showed up. So like, oh, this is weird. Oh, hope nobody's watching. Whew. 
I can't tell nobody about this. There's a level of discomfort that comes. Why? Because something's dying. How many of you got some distractions that need to die? How many of you got some emotions that need to die? Some sensitivities that need to die. Like you're so overwhelmed and you're so sensitive that that's keeping you from the place where your sensitivity can be reset. So now you're an emotional roller coaster with a secret place to go to, but you don't go. You just keep going for another ride. That's why counselors are overwhelmed right now. Because believers aren't going to the counselor. And any good counselor worth their salt would tell you, you need to go to the Father. You need to go to the Holy Ghost. His name is counselor, helper, teacher. He's the one that can help you right now. You don't need me, baby. You need the Holy Ghost. So in other words, you need to turn around, go back home, get up in your secret place, and wait for God to touch that bobo of yours. We got to learn how to dwell, how to dwell, how to live there, how to unpack our, our lives there. Like my schedule, my lifestyle gets adjusted to the presence, not the presence to my lifestyle. <laughs> I had this bad habit of, of, of and I would, I would think this thought, I'll, I'll catch up with it later. So I had a busy day, right? So I got to get, you know how it is, if you get ahead on your day, your day goes better, right? That's not guaranteed. Because <laughs> some of you woke up an hour early and still had a bad day. And you're tired at the same time. <laughs> And I would, I would think this thought, I'll get to it later. I'll catch up with God tonight. But by the time tonight came, I was too exhausted. Me and God never caught up. So the first aspect of the secret place is the dwelling. We need to be people that dwell. Let me encourage you to move out of your old place. When he saved you, he expected you to pack your bags and move out. You got some old relationships that are dragging you down like an anchor on a P-Row. Did y'all catch that analogy? And you're not moving away from those relationships. So every time you get a little movement of God, that person pops up in your life and starts to speak some lies into your ears. And then you, what God's trying to do in your life gets, gets watered down and diminished because you're hanging on to a relationship you were never intended to hang on to. Move out. Move on. When you go to a funeral, you go and you pay your respects, but you don't live there now, right? What do you do? You leave that place. Why? Because live people don't belong in a cemetery. Hanging out with dead people. If you do, it's weird. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I know some folks that like the, the cemetery better than they like the public. I'm just telling you. It's weird. People are going to talk about you. <laughs> I 
The secret place is the place that we find complete security. You know what's fascinating is, is the things, it's fascinating when you learn and realize the things that you run to for security and you don't even know you run to them for security. For some of us, it's, it's your paycheck or your job or your career. You find your security in that place. Sometimes it's a relationship. Maybe that's why you ain't got rid of them deadbeats. Preach the gospel to them. If they don't get saved, move on. I don't know who that's for, but that wasn't even in my notes. But this is the only place you'll ever find complete security because everything else that promises security doesn't tell you that in the fine print, it promised to disappoint you also. The only place to find complete security for your life is in the presence of God. It's in his presence, not the government's presence, not the system's presence, not the social media's presence. You can't find security in those places that will last. You can't find that kind of security. The best kind of security you'll ever have is in the presence of God and in the presence of God alone. So quit looking somewhere else. I just gave you the secret to life. You want security? Find it in your relationship with Jesus. Find it in the presence of God. Discover how to walk with God all day long. Increase your awareness to his presence in your life. And then all, you might be surprised, all your insecurities might go away. You might start caring less about what people think that probably aren't even thinking about you that much. You'll divorce what the world says about you. You'll quit caring about the world with what the, what, with what the world is doing next. <laughs> That's all, folks. That's a pastor bubbleism. But this is the only place you'll find complete security for your life. So number one, the first aspect of the secret place is the dwelling. Number two is the secret place itself. So I'm writing my message on Wednesday, and I'm like, man, like what is the secret place? Like I've been, I've been, I've been reading and and and, and studying and 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 pressing in and and researching long enough to go. I like to get really deep. I like to use words we don't normally use and discover things we don't normally discover. But I'm not called to be the deepest church in town. We're excuse me. We're not called to be the deepest church in town. We're called to be the ta- the church that transforms the town. Amen? So what if we can say 50 cent words? So the struggle was Wednesday, I was like, man, like how do I communicate what the secret place is? Because if I had to bet, some of you are thinking it's your office, it's your closet, it's your prayer room, it's your living room, it's the bathroom if you've got little kids because it's the only quiet place you can find in the house. Come on, somebody. No. You might need a deadbolt. And I don't know what else, but you just need some friends praying for you. That's all I can say. <laughs> or, or, or just put them to bed at 7 o'clock. That's the, that's the only thing that works for us. But, but watch this. Some of you are starting to relate this to a place. Like it's a tangible, physical place. It's not that. So I had to work hard. I even reached out to some of my friends and said, hey, tell me in, in common terms, what is the secret place? 
And even they were trying to overthink it. And I was like, man, I feel you. <laughs> it's like I'm wrestling with this thing. Watch this. You want to know what the secret place is? Simply put, in a nutshell, it's the presence of God. You don't need to go any further than that. It is the presence of God. Let me, let me also teach you something else real quick. The presence of God does not just, it does not only abide or show up on a church service in a building on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's, he, the presence of God is not just there when you got worship music on. The presence of God is there when you're driving on the interstate on a Friday afternoon and traffic is backed up and people driving like they've lost their minds and you're about to lose yours because then people don't know how to drive. The presence of God is there. That can still be your secret place. Come on, somebody. We were going to Lake Charles one afternoon. It was getting dark. We were driving. We were coming across the Jennings Bridge. I was, my friend was following me and Cheryl, and we're riding, and we're going, and like traffic's back to back. I'm going over the Jennings Bridge. I'm, I'm behind a truck, like a one-ton truck with a dump trailer, those little short dump trailers. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so, so like I'm, I'm behind him, and all of a sudden, I'm, like, I'm frustrated. I'm white-knuckling the steering wheel. I'm like, get out of the way! Nobody knows what I'm talking about. You bunch of sanctified saints. <laughs> I'm like, and Cheryl's over there like, breathe, baby, breathe. I'm like, I am breathing. <laughs> and in the middle of my rage, the Holy Spirit said, back up. He said, back up. So I got off the gas. I backed up. And no sooner that I did, one of the gates on that trailer fell off. It hit the ground. It's skidding all over the place. I'm like, woo, woo. And there's cars everywhere. You, know, you don't want to sideswipe nobody. And, and so it's like, boom, and then we hit it with the tire. And, and that guy pulls over, and I pull over, and it's dark. And traffic. And I'm going like, first I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for being an idiot. <laughs> but thank you for speaking to me. Where was my secret place? Right there in the driver's seat of my car. In the middle of my rage. The secret place is God's presence. So don't let the enemy convince you that when you're having a bad day, God don't want to hang out with you. Did, did y'all hear what I said? Don't let the enemy convince you that just because you're having a bad day, maybe you failed, maybe you lost your stuff, maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Don't let him convince you that God's not right there with you because he don't run away every time we do something wrong. Ah, I'm breaking some lies right there. The devil's a liar. I had a bad thought. God left me. No, baby. So the secret place, what does that mean? It's, it's simply put, it's, it's his presence. Let me give you a little longer definition. It's, it is my hiding place. It's my refuge. It's my safe place. It's my quiet place when the world gets too loud. It's my new address after I move out the old one. It's the place secure enough for me to get completely honest and transparent. Like, you got to be careful who you get honest and open and transparent with, right? Because you never know if you're going to be scrolling on Facebook and your business is on the next scroll. <laughs> but in his presence, it's totally safe, totally secure to get completely open and transparent. I believe he designed it that way. For us to let go of all of our emotions. All of our frustrations. 
When you read Psalms, you read David lamenting. You know what he was doing? He was telling God how he felt, how he felt it. It's my place of trust. It's the place safe enough to take my armor off. It's the place so safe that I can put my weapons down. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to strive. I'm not here to impress. I'm here to just be. Why is it so hard to just be sometimes? Hmm? Just be present with the Lord. So the secret place is a lifestyle that we all belong in and have been invited into. You see, the struggle with the secret place and why most Christians don't discover it is because we, we believe a lie that the secret place, like the problem to the secret place is God. Like you'll let the enemy convince you that because things failed in your life and things went wrong and you got some issues that God decided to leave you alone. So therefore you think the presence of God is on God. And if you've had those thoughts, let me just let me just expose this to you. If you've had those type of thoughts, then what you've actually done is entertain lies of the enemy because the Bible says that God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. Always present, everywhere present. So the issue with the secret place is not on God, it's on us. And it's not on us if we do something wrong. It's on us because we're not aware. If he's always there, why do we sometimes struggle to be aware? Let me give you an example. A hundred adults could come to church today, almost what we got right here. Let's, let's just take this room. All of you came to church today, and whenever I finally decide to end this message around 3 or 4 o'clock, <laughs> y'all know I ain't ever went past. No, I'm joking. Let's not start that. <laughs> but all of us came into this room. Let's say this half over here came in expecting to receive something from God or expecting to be in God's presence. So you guys, you guys came in with an awareness of God's presence. Knowing that he's omnipresent, knowing that he gets really excited when a lot of people show up in one spot to worship him, he inhabits the praise of his people, right? So this side comes in with the right attitude, with the right mindset, with the right heart. They come in ready to receive, ready to experience. And then, and then this side just kind of, y'all barely made it to church. Let's just be honest. Like y'all just, y'all, <laughs> it was hard, pastor. Like, phew. like we all had to smile when we got down the road right there and just whip into the parking lot like I'm gonna kill y'all when we get home and you came in the church and you're like man I'm here I'm glad I made it to church oh God rescue me but you didn't come ready to receive nothing if God's omnipresent and he showed up in this place and these people walk out and go whoo man God was in that place and their hearts are filled and their emotions are reset and put in the proper place. And their issues have gotten a whole lot smaller. 
And they walk out ready to take this city with a, with a water pistol. And you came in here the same time they did, but you weren't ready to receive. And you walk out like, that was long. I didn't like that cat analogy. You know, I wish he wouldn't talk about the farm. You know, not everybody's got a farm, so not everybody can relate to what he says. Then music was loud. I wish they would turn the air conditioner off. <laughs> Struck a nerve right there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I don't control the AC, so don't shoot me. <laughs> I quit that, I quit that ministry. I'm like, I don't have nothing to do with the AC, so nobody be mad at me. I'm not gonna tell you who to be mad at, but but these people walk out filled and, and have had a divine encounter with God, and these people walk out basically like they walked in. What's the difference maker? If God's here, God's here. What's the difference maker? Were they, did they have a better week than you did? Did they live holier than you did? Did they not have as many problems as you did? Do they have a cush job and you don't? Do they live on the right side of the tracks and you don't? What's the, what's the, what's the issue? The issue is awareness. Expectation. If you're not expecting to be aware of God's presence, you're probably not going to recognize when you are. So here's what's weird is that most of us are walking in God's presence and we have no clue. You're walking with the creator of the universe and you have no clue. It's a lifestyle. And the struggle's not with God, the struggle's with us. You know, while God's omnipresent, we have to really be careful to not be omnidistracted. <laughs> Always, everywhere, distracted. Letting the cares and concerns of this world pull us straight up out the presence of God. Not that we left, not that he left, but that we just got so distracted, so busy in our minds, so busy in our emotions, so busy in our heart that we didn't even recognize him there. Your house doesn't have to be perfectly clean for God to show up. All you OCD people. Y'all think God ain't coming till every little nook and cranny's clean. I'm sorry. He's been in a few messy houses. a secret place. It's your secret place. Can we personalize it today? God expects us to dwell in the secret place. Watch the second half of that verse. The second half of that verse says this, that let me just read the whole thing. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So he who dwells in the secret place, so he who sets up, he who moves into, he who makes that his place that he lives, he who adjusts his lifestyle for God's presence, he who adjusts his whole life for God's presence, he who eradicates distractions to, to help himself be more aware of God's presence, that person 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That person does. Not the person who doesn't dwell. It ain't Burger King, baby. You don't get it your way. What he said, he who moves into, lives there, unpacks his life in the presence of God and doesn't leave shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So in other words, the person who dwells gets to also abide. Now, dwell and abide are similar words. Abide will show up in the definition of dwell, but abide has its own definition. It has its own understanding. To abide means to stop, means to remain. It means to lodge. Strong's Concordance uses the analogy to camp overnight or to set up camp. So watch this. The person who moves into the new address of God's presence and leaves the old place and lives there, gets to set up camp under the shadow of the Almighty. That means you can get your tent, and you can put some pegs in there, and you can camp out under the shadow of the Almighty. You get to. You don't have to, but you get to. And why wouldn't you want to unless you believe in too many lies? <laughs> so I believe the psalmist is saying that he who, <laughs> that he who dwells can also camp out. <laughs> so what's this shadow? A couple of great analogies about the shadow is it can be it can be described as a mother hen protecting her chicks under her wing. If you ever seen birds or hens and they've got chicks with them or little birds and they're running across the ground and they see a predator, the mama, if she's a good mama, will throw her, her wings out and run over the top of the, the birds, right? To because they're under the shadow, they're being protected so that the predator don't see the babies and get hungry. <laughs> Right? It gives that analogy. It gives the analogy of being protected from the scorching sun. Like there was a cloud by day that led the Israelite nation through the, through the desert. It was, it was that shadow of the cloud kept them from burning up on the sand. Come on, somebody. It's a divine protection that causes us to find rest to find peace, and to find comfort in a fallen world. When you're at your wit's end, what do you do? Where do you go? When you're done, when you're burnt out, when you're exhausted, you can't go no more. You know what I'm talking about. You say it. You say it under your breath. I can't take this no more. I can't take I've had enough. The whole family knew it before you said it. Come on, how many of you know when she walks in the house or she shuts the cabinet, we know what mood she's in. Okay, I wasn't asking for a response, really, because I don't want to get you in trouble, but like, you know what I'm saying. And she knows about you, too. I got this, 
I got this like uh, this uh, uh, it's like a pop-off valve. So like when I when I start having like I'm getting stressed out and I'm getting done and I'm about to lose my stuff, I'll start going. exactly what a horse does. <sighs> and my wife would go, just breathe. I'm like, I'm breathing. Oh, trust me, I'm breathing. You know what I'm saying? I'm breathing. Oh, yeah. I'm about to be breathing down somebody's neck now. <laughs> it's the place that I find peace and rest and comfort. We all run to something. Here's the truth. We all run to something. Some of us try to drink it away. Some of us try to pop pill it away. Some of us try to social media it away. Some of us try to distract ourselves away. Some of us try to veg out on TV and entertain ourselves away. Some of us try to sleep ourselves away. Some of us try to complain ourselves away. Some of us try to boudet ourselves away. Some of us try to depress ourselves away. How's that working for you? I ain't never heard of anybody pop, grabbing a cigarette, smoking a cigarette, and say, whew, whew, sure good to be back under the shadow. <laughs> pop a beer, drink a beer, and say, oh, all my problems just went away. I ain't never met anybody spent two hours on social media and came away going, yep, I'm all better now. But I do know a lot of folk that know how to get in the presence of God. And bring that junk into the presence of God and walk in one way but come out another. And didn't have to complain, didn't have to smoke, didn't have to drink, didn't have to pop a pill, didn't have to entertain themselves. They dealt with the problem right now. Exactly where they were supposed to deal with it. That's where we're designed to deal with our problems. Ah, you're not hearing me this morning. You don't need to run to somebody else. Jesus should be your first run to. He should be the one you run to the most. In fact, you don't even have to run. You can be offended at 10 o'clock. And by 10.01, you can be in the presence of God going, Lord, they just said something make me want to slap them in the mouth. I need some help. <laughs> And you're talking about your kids. <laughs> Not this church. Not that's that other church, right? It's that other church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's be careful. But it's a place where I find peace and rest and comfort. It's a place I'm expected to run to. You know what's crazy? I had this vision last night while I was prep, just finishing up the prep on my message. I had this vision on this point where, where it seems like sometimes when, when life hits us, and God's right there in front of us. We kind of, come here, Cole. Come here. No, it's okay. You look good, bro. Your head's shaved. Your head shaved. No, stand right there and face me. So you get to be God today. Pray for him because he's going to need some help. Like, like life hits. Offense, emotion, bad report, you name it. It hits. Watch what most of us do. As believers, you're in the presence of God. He's omnipresent. This is what most of us do. Excuse me. 
excuse me, I, I got to f- solve my problem. And then we search all out here on how to fix our problems, on how to deal with our emotions, on how to, on how to battle with the lies in our mind, on how to do all this stuff until eventually, if, if we got some good people around us, they'll say, baby, did you pray about that? Did you talk to God about that? You want to know? Well, he was right there in front of you. Like, excuse me. Excuse me. I'll get back to you in a minute. Just Right? We run to all kinds of other things. Thank you, Cole. You make a great God. Not really. You're practicing. Now, what do we do when evil comes? What do we do when things get dark? What do we do when, when hell sends everything it has after us? Come on, because I live in those days too where every single thing you can imagine comes at you over 100 miles an hour all on the same day, and you even look at the devil and go, dang, bro, little Grace. <laughs> Like, give a brother a break. How <laughs> I many of you know what I'm talking about? When all that darkness comes rushing in on you, what do you do? What do you do? Do you freak out because of the darkness? Do you shrink down and, and begin to tremble because the enemy's after you? Do you get afraid and shut down? What do you do? Let me enlighten you a little bit this morning. What if... The darkness you're experiencing is sometimes the shadow of God and not the presence of the enemy. Because the last time I checked, when I'm in the sun, it's bright. But when I'm in the shadow, it's darker. If I'm working outside in July and August, come on, somebody. You got 10 minutes of work, 20 minutes of rest. Come on. Don't tell your boss I said that. But I get to the shadow. Why? Because the sun is tearing me up. It's scorching me. When the enemy comes against me, like the hen who covers her chicks, what if the darkness you're sometimes afraid of is not just the presence of the enemy, but it's the presence of God? Ah, what if you started to recognize the presence of God in such a way that the darkness you sense, you go, that's God's darkness. That's God's shadow. You see, you got to be careful because if you say it's God's darkness, then that sounds weird and we all get theological all of a sudden. But what if we just talk about that's God's shadow? Because the person who moves into and learns to live in God's presence gets to abide, set up camp under his shadow. What if we stop giving the enemy all the credit and we start recognizing that some of this shade is God's presence? Because even in your darkest hour, 
You're not alone. You know what I'm talking about. I know you in this church. You've all been through some pretty crazy stuff. Some life-threatening, life-taking kind of stuff. And you've had a dark hour. What if all that darkness wasn't just the enemy? What if it was God's presence also? Because there's a big difference between being left out in the open and being in the shadows. Right? That may be hard to understand with your natural reasoning. But I think if you'll think about your own life, you'll start to recognize that in my darkest hour, God was with me. When I lost my mom, when I watched her take her last breath, God was with me. All that darkness wasn't the enemy. All that darkness wasn't death. Some of that darkness was a testimony of God's closeness. When I learned that her cancer came back for the third time and they couldn't do anything about it, and things got out of focus and things got sideways, you know what I'm talking about. You get a bad report, and all of a sudden you can't see straight anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Things get fuzzy. Things get out of focus, right? Why? Because you've been thrown off a little bit. I don't know about you, but I'm 48 now. When I go from light to shade, my eyes need a minute to adjust. Remember, God's omnipresent. We're just usually omnidistracted. We get to abide in the shadows of the Almighty, not in the shadows of the government, not in the shadows of riches, not even in the shadows of systems and structures. We get to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's good news. It's better news than you think. Let me show you why. Psalms 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. So the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, not to the Lord. He didn't say it to the Lord. He said it of the Lord. And the language can go one of two ways. It can be like this. It can say, I say to myself, he is my refuge, my fortress, and my God. But it can also say that I would say to a brother or sister who's going through some dark stuff, he is your fortress, he is your refuge, he is your God. We got to pay attention to what we tell each other. We need to be intentional about what we tell each other. Before you give people advice, you need to give them some loving truth. Yeah, but I'm better at advice. Well, read your Bible and give them some truth because your advice ain't fixing nothing, but the truth will. So I'm glad that you can give people your advice, but what they really need is some truth to set them free because you're not set free by advice. You're set free by truth. 
What if we would learn to look at one another and say, come on, bro. I know it. I know it. I heard it was happening. I got you, bro. But listen to me. God is your fortress. God is your refuge. He is your God. And you can put all of your trust in him. What if that's what I need to hear before I need to hear, well, it's going to be okay. Well, you know, if you go see this doctor and you arrange this and you do that, then maybe he'll give you a... Just give him the truth. We have to be real intentional about what we say to one another. I'm going to go a little further. We have to be really careful and intentional about what we say to ourselves. Yeah, that other person in the mirror. That other person in your head. The one you're having all them arguments with. Debate. Strategizing. Some days, people don't show up to encourage you. You might have to encourage yourself. It's scriptural. When you can't find encouragement, bruh, you can always encourage yourself with the truth. And don't let the devil get you all boo-wad and, and boo-dayin and depressed because nobody called you to check on you. Last time I checked, all of heaven was moving on your behalf. And you worried about a few people on the planet? Verse 3, listen to what happens and what's available to the person who dwells in the secret place of the Most High and abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. That means you won't experience the reward of the wicked. You'll only see it with your eyes. Why? Because when you're under the shadow, it can't get you. That's what it just said. I tried to figure out another way to say it. When you're under the shadow, the word is true. When you're not under the shadow, that doesn't apply. But remember, you've been invited into the shadows, into the secret place. If you ain't there, it's because you don't want to be there. That's not on him. That's on you, baby. Verse 4. 
Because you like the saints more than you like. It's on you because you like work more than you like presents. What is our responsibility? Here it is. This is your only responsibility in all of this. Dwell. Dwell. Make up your mind about God's presence and don't ever change it again. I went on a trip with Brother Keith a couple years ago. It changed my life forever. I went on a trip with him. I felt like I needed to go on this trip. Brother, Brother Coletti Keith is the man who went into the high schools in Houston and preached when God told him to walk into the high school and go preach. Go tell the principal to get every, all the kids in the, in the gym, you're going to preach to them. So he walked in, didn't have no appointment, walked into the school, said, the Lord told me to tell you to put all the kids in the gymnasium, I'm going to preach to them. And the principal tried to argue with him. He said, listen, I'm not moving. God said to, to bring all the kids into the gymnasium, he, I'm going to preach to them. And finally the principal did, and all the kids went to the gymnasium, and Brother Keith preached the gospel. And in the, in the stands was Pastor Jacob Aranza, who gave his life to Jesus at that moment. That brother Keith, I, got, I felt like I needed to go on a trip with him because he had something that I didn't have. That's what I felt in my spirit. He just got something that I don't have, and I want it. And so I went kind of suspiciously. I went kind of like an investigator. I was going, it was cool to go to London, to be honest with you. It was cool to go to England, but I, I don't even remember any of it because I was too busy watching Brother Keith. <clears throat> I never saw him, and I'm not saying this is this is... An excuse, I just I never saw him grab his Bible and open his Bible, but his his life is saturated with the word of God. I never saw him in a quiet time praying in a very solitude position. I never saw that. But what I saw was when we would go from one one shop in a town to another shop, there was a guy playing a guitar with a cup out there trying to get make some money. Brother Keith would listen to him, throw some money in his cup, and when he stopped. He would talk to him, led him to Christ. A couple months later, the dude's leading worship in a church. We go to the coffee shop. The barista's back there making his coffee, shares the gospel with her. Prays for the sick wherever he goes. Has a word of knowledge for people wherever he goes. He learned how to live in the presence. So everywhere he went, he was in the secret place. That's available for us too. It's not just for the hierarchy. It's for the common folk like us. Amen? When I experienced that, I got hungry for it. The way I led this church changed. Lord, I don't want a church full of intellectuals. I want a church full of people that know how to live in the secret place. That can walk up into a greasy McDonald's and lead somebody to Jesus. Amen? That's for us. Your relationship with God has to be way more than your Sunday attendance. Your Sunday attendance is bottom shelf stuff. Bottom shelf. 
So, so I'm not saying this to condemn you because I don't want you to start thinking I'm trying to browbeat you or anything, but I want you to understand something that I need to give you the truth. If you're struggling just to get to church, you're bottom shelf, baby. But I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just exposing that to you, and I'm encouraging you to say, it's time to get off the bottom shelf. You're not meant for the bottom shelf. Your life was, Jesus didn't die for you to struggle to get to church. Jesus died for you so that you could be in the presence of God all the time. So we got to get up above the bottom shelf. Come on, somebody. And coming to church and just learning and never getting anything for yourself, that's probably the second shelf. We have to take responsibility to some degree for myself. So when I came back from that trip with Brother Keith, I said, Lord, I know what I'm missing. In fact, the Sunday I got back, I preached a message. 16 people got filled with the Holy Ghost that Sunday. I'm glad that two of you are excited. I came back from that and I went, Lord, I need what Brother Keith got. I need to know what that is. And from that day until now, I've been in a discovery process. I've been developing this over and over and over again. Some days I slack, some weeks I slack, but I always come back. Why? Because there ain't nothing like the presence of God. There ain't nothing like the presence of God. Let me, let me encourage you to go on a discovery and developing process with God. Make it real personal. You don't need to post it. You don't need to let nobody else know about it. It's just for you. It's your secret place. It starts with a prayer. That's usually a repentance. That says, Lord, I'm sorry for being distracted. Lord, I'm sorry for being so busy. I'm sorry for bypassing you to go to other things to get what I need. You are my source. You are my supply. I want to live in the secret place. I'll... I'll I'll shrink it down from there. Simply put, Lord, teach me how to live in the secret place. Start praying that. Simple enough? Not too simple, right? Simple enough. And then watch what happens. When you pray that, you better keep your eyes open. Because he's going to start moving. Excuse me you're going to start recognizing when he's moving because he's always moving. You see, sometimes we don't see when he's moving. All right, I got to stop. Y'all had enough. So we'll get back to this next week because God actually speaks in this psalm something directly to us. So next Sunday, the 15th, we're kicking off our New Year fasting and prayer time. 
We're going to kick it off on the 15th. I want you to listen to me carefully. This isn't announcements. This is just letting you know what's coming down the road because this message was to, was to shift your mind to be ready for the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 20th, all the way to the 22nd. Okay? I'm, I'm, I want to prepare us for the presence because we're going to start practicing the presence. Okay? On the 15th, we're going to have, we're going to kick off this new year of, of fasting and prayer at our Jennings campus. All three campuses are going to Jennings for a worship night. Let me let you in on a little secret. Our band is leading worship. Come on. It's going to feel like home. Come on, somebody. So we're kicking that off Sunday, Sunday night, um, I think 5 o'clock. And um, then the following Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to have 6 a.m. prayer. Okay? And, and for some of you, you're going to like, 6 a.m.? Okay, just relax. Tuesday and Thursday, we'll do 6.30 p.m. prayer. And you can't please everybody. <laughs> so Tuesday and Thursday will be 6.30 p.m. prayer. And we'll, um, we'll have a, a special moment. We're going to have some worship that in the morning times. We're going to have some worship in the evening times of prayer. And then we're going to wrap the, the prayer and fasting time up on the 22nd. That Sunday night with a, um, a worship night that's going to be phenomenal. And so you don't want to miss this. I encourage you to make plans to travel to Jennings to experience this with the larger body of, of, of churches. Let's, let's do what you can to do. I know it's okay. It's 41 minutes. I go every week. It's 41 minutes. I ain't died yet. Right, Lisa? Lisa goes every Monday. <laughs> she ain't died yet. Car might be dying, but she ain't died yet. <laughs> no. Car ain't dying. Jesus' name. Thank you. I'll take the rebuke. Um, now, the Thursday night, the Thursday evening prayer time. I didn't even talk this over with my staff, so this is going to be one of those shocker. I know. You caught me because you caught my notes. But that Thursday night prayer time, what I want to put together is strategically set up people in Basile, Elton, Richard, Lawtel, Ville Platte, wherever else, Eunice, a couple places, and, and take our prayer time outside. Take them into strategic cities around us. We'll meet at either the, the, the courthouse or we'll meet somewhere in the city. We'll plan all that. But like a group of people that live in the Elton area or the Basile area or the, the Richard area or the Eunice or even Prairon, we might send y'all to Ville Platte. Everything runs downhill from the business. <laughs> but, but set up some strategic places for us to go and pray on that Thursday night. Okay? So, so if you want to lead the one in your city, just, just let me or Lisa know. And you would like to lead that, we'll give you some specifics and all that, and we'll put that together as we go. Amen? And just let me say this one thing. We're calling this prayer and fasting time. Seek week, not sick week, <laughs> or seaweed. <laughs> okay, seek week. <laughs> when we came up with the name, I was like, "That sounds great. It, I love what it means. It just sounds weird." You won't forget it now. Seek. Say it with me. Say seek. You're gonna emphasize the ease. Seek week. All right. Come on, Steve. Let me let me pray for you. 
You got it? I want this to be the best year of your life so far. You heard me? I want this to be the best life, the best year of your life so far. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this phenomenal invitation to be in your presence. Not like you're far away, but Lord, we get distracted. We get busy. We get emotional. We get thrown off. We get tired. Lord, help us to be people that dwell in the secret place. God, I'm praying over every person here this morning. I'm, I'm praying for a very specific divine encounter between you and them. Not one that the church has to set up, but one that heaven set up. One that they run into your presence. And I pray over every person this morning that when they have that divine encounter, it'll mess them up in a good way. It'll change the way they think. It'll change the way they feel. It'll change the way they respond. And it'll be so incredible, Lord, that we'll begin to hunger for it like we've never hungered before. That there'll be something that transforms inside of us that says, I got to get back to that place. I got to learn how to live there. I want to live in that land. I don't want to visit that land anymore. I want to live there. And God, I pray we'll be people that know how to set up camp in the shadows. Under your shadow, Lord. And God, help us to recognize that sometimes when it gets dark, it's not just because of the presence of evil, but it's because we're under your shadow. And you're present and you're close. Oh, so close, Lord. Help us with this. I believe it'll change our lives forever, Lord. We bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?